Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Over here in Mark, the fourth chapter, it says in verse 14, Jesus said, the sower sows the word. Again, the word of God is likened to seed that can be sown or planted. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now again, the devil can't take anything you don't give him. So the only way he can take it is because people have turned it over to him. People have let go of it. And so we're not those people. Right? We're not those people. We are taking hold of, we have taken hold of the word. We are taking hold of the word and we're not turning it over. It's not going to be so easy for the devil to swoop down to steal the things that God has shown us. He's not going to steal these things from us. But he will take it if he can. If he can. He goes around like a roaring lion, the Bible says, over the book of Peter. He goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Whom he may devour. See, he can't just devour anybody. See, he's looking for who he can devour. And how does he devour somebody? By devouring the word of God that's in their heart. Because you're prey if you don't have the word of God, even if you pray. I mean, you can pray, pray, pray all day, but if you don't have the word of God, then you will go astray. You'll get off track. You'll get out of God's will. You'll go off the path of life, and you'll get yourself in trouble. You'll get yourself in trouble with the devil. So he's seeking whom he may devour. He devours people's lives by first devouring God's word from their hearts. So we're not going to let him do it. If he can't get your faith, he just can't get you. Why? Because your faith is a shield that surrounds you and protects you from all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So if you have your shield of faith up, devil can't touch you. So if he can't devour your faith, if he can't remove that shield, he can't devour you, he can't devour what's yours. Glory to God. Come on, say amen or something. That's that's exciting word right there. Amen. So he goes on, verse 15. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And they hear, and when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in the heart. Say it with me. Say, you ain't taking it from me. Uh-uh. Verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Man, it got them excited. You know, God's word will make you glad. That it should. Amen. When we hear the word of God, that should be the first thing for all of us. We should get happy. Why? Because the gospel, the word gospel means good news. God's word is good news. Unless you're a devil. Unless you're an antichrist. Unless you're against, against God. Then it's not good news for you. But if you are one who desires God, desires God's will, you're not an antichrist, 
then God's word is good news, and you get glad when you hear it. Hallelujah. That's good right there. That's a good reason to come to church right there, just, just to be made glad. Right? See, if you ever feel, I just told you the, the key to getting set free of being sad. Sad. Depression. Things aren't going very well. What do you do? Hear the word. Hear the word. What will happen? Immediately what will happen? When you hear it in faith, what will happen? Immediately. Huh? You get glad. See, let's look at it again, folks. Verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with? How fast? Immediately they receive it with gladness. Woo, hallelujah. It's exciting. See, don't, don't ever let the word become boring to you. You know what that means? That means you aren't really hearing it. That means you're not really hearing it. You're not really hearing it with the ears of your spirit, with your heart. You see? And we could just hear things with our, with our head. And just, you're just hearing, you're hearing things audibly, but you're not really hearing it in your heart. That's why many times Jesus would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he'd say it to multitudes of people. And if, if you walk through the crowd, I'm sure most of the people had ears on their head. You know. So it's kind of a strange thing. When every, you look around, everybody's got ears, Lord. What are you saying? He who has ears. He who has ears, let him hear. Say, well, what's he talking about? He's talking about to hear with your heart. To hear with your heart. When you hear it with your heart, you get glad. Why? Because you believe it. You believe it. You believe God's word, it makes you glad. You know, even God's rebuke, I welcome it. It makes me glad. You know, and that, that goes along with the scripture over in the book of Job. He says, happy is the man whom God corrects. I mean, I welcome God's correction. I don't, that doesn't get me depressed. I mean, it shows me, okay, good, he's still thinking about me. He's still, he's still, he's still working on me. He hasn't walked away, right? And uh, it shows me that he cares. He cares about me. He cares me enough to correct me. Lord, correct me. I appreciate it. So even what you look at in the Word of God is, you know, maybe being rebuke or something. I'll, I'll take it. In fact, I'll be honest with you, just recently, you know, uh, <laughs> We were going through something, and I was, you know, I was kind of, you know, just praying about it, and I opened up my Bible, and it opened up to a certain scripture. I just looked down, and, and these words jumped out at me. Why, uh, why are you so fearful? Where is your faith? I thought, you're right, you're right, praise God. You know, I got refreshed from that. <laughs> Why are you so fearful? Where is your faith? It sounds like a rebuke, but it sounded beautiful to me because it showed me, yeah, you're right. What in the world am I afraid of? What am I worried? What, I'm getting concerned. What am I concerned about? Where is my faith? Glory be to God. See, it made me happy. Made me glad, right? So no matter what we're hearing, it should be making us glad if we're hearing it with the ears of our heart. Verse 17 And they have no root in themselves. These are the folks that receive it immediately with gladness, the word of God. But then it says they have no root in themselves. This is the stony ground, which is the condition of a person's heart, Jesus is illustrating. Shallow. They have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately 
they stumble. So immediately they got glad when they heard it. But then as soon as persecution came, as soon as tribulation came, as soon as affliction came, as soon as problems, the storms of life came, immediately they reacted to that. And immediately they stumbled. And the reason why is because they had no root in themselves. In other words, the word of God was not rooted and grounded in them. So when we hear the word of God, it makes us glad. Don't stop there. Dig into that. Go reread that. Go re-listen to that. Go meditate on that. You know, we need to be good meditators of the word of God. We want to make sure that the word gets down deep on the inside of us. We don't want to just have a superficial knowledge of it because that won't endure the storms of life. So we got to make sure we're meditating on it. We're getting it down deep on the inside of us. And then last time we were talking about uh, the thorny ground here in verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes un. Fruitful. You know, there's a lot of people that are rooted and grounded in worrying. We're talking about the cares of life. A lot of folks are rooted and grounded in worry. We, we call them uh, worry warts. They just worry. They just, they just worry. They just worry about everything. That's the reaction to everything is to worry. And uh, some folks, they, they're that way because they were raised that way. They were brought up in a house of worriers. People that are warriors. But we want to be warriors. Not warriors. Right? People of faith are warriors. Not warriors. And so we have to protect ourselves from worry and the cares of this life. Because these are things that will rise up and choke our faith. Choke the faith of God out of us. So that what we were believing never really comes to Fullness in our life. We don't see the fulfillment of God's promises in our life. The cares of life. The deceitfulness of riches. You know, a lot of folks feel like, well, if I just had more money. If I just had more money. They just believe, if they just had more money. That's, that's the answer to all their problems. If I just had more money. That's deceitful. That's deceitfulness. And again, riches aren't the problem. It's the deceitfulness of riches. It's how people look at riches. People are deceived when it comes to money. Money in and of itself is not a problem. Riches are not a problem. The Bible tells us Jesus became poor that you might be made rich, right? So rich isn't a curse word. Rich isn't a bad word. It's a Bible word. It's a Bible word. Bible says right there in the book of Genesis uh, that the gold that God created was good. It actually talks about gold. And it says, and the gold there is good. So gold in God's eyes is good. It's not dirty, filthy lucre. See, it's, see that's, it's dirty, filthy hands that get their hands on things that are good. And it causes problems. It causes problems. See, it's the condition of the heart. It's not the condition of the money. It's not the condition of material things. It's the condition of people's hearts. That's the problem. Deceit is not in the money. Deceit is not in riches. Deceit is in the heart concerning the riches. 
And that's what chokes the life of faith out of people's hearts. The desire for other things. Necessities. Things that we look at. We say, well, we got we to gotta have these things. These are things that are, you know, we need to have. We need to have. You know, we need to eat. Yes, we do need to eat. But we're not to be controlled by food. We need whatever, clothing. Yes, but we're not to be controlled by clothing. Having to have. Having to have the, the name brands. Having to have the best. Or, you know, again, people just coveting, craving all these different things. These aren't things that we're to be craving. These are things that God adds to us. They're simply add-ons, things that he gives to us freely, not things that we're craving after. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But these are all things, there's all these thorny things, things in this world that come in and distract people from God, distract people from the word, that take their desires off of God, off of him, off of his word, and onto other things. And so it chokes their faith. It chokes their faith. It binds them, keeps them from being able to be fruitful in life, spiritually fruitful. Remember, all good things in life are to first come from a heart that is content and satisfied with God. We're satisfied with him. He is our satisfaction. He is to be our peace. He is to be our joy. We're not to be anxious about anything. We're not to be worried about the things of this world because God is our provider. He is our provider and he first provides peace for our souls. He fulfills us on the inside. He fills us with himself. I mean, think about it. If you're filled with the creator... And you know that I'm filled, I have the creator. And you live with an awareness that I have the creator living on the inside of me. That I have the creator who is for me. Are we really going to be worried about the creation? How are we going to worry about the creation if we're aware that we're one with the creator? We are one with him. We are one with him. And the Bible tells us that God has given us Already, all things freely to enjoy. All things. He's given us all things. Another scripture says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has already provided everything for us that we have need in life. So if you believe that he's already provided everything for you, then why would you be anxious to get it? Why would you be worried about getting it? We don't have to worry about getting things. Notice what the Bible says over here in John. Jesus said. Over here in John, the 14th chapter. And in verse 12, he said, most assuredly. I like that. I think he he adds that sometimes to things that people have a tough time believing. You know, that's why he says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. So this isn't just limited to who he's saying this to. 
Because remember, he's saying this to his disciples. But then he says, what I say to you is about anyone who believes in me. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So do we have anyone that believes in him? Believes in Jesus. This is what he says about you. This is what he tells you. The works that he has done and and did while he was here on the earth. He said, you will do also and greater works. Now don't let, don't, 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 don't let that become a tilt to you. And you just kind of check out and, and, and choke on it. <laughs> Can't handle it. <laughs> I mean, <I> said, <sighs> he say, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I would do the same, same works as Jesus. Same works as Jesus and greater works. See, so some folks are choking already. See, see, because the word is being sown among some thorns. The thorns are already there. Worry, cares, fear of lack, fear of not having enough. And now you want me to sit here and take hold of this scripture that says, I'm going to do the same works as Jesus? <sighs> Some folks, they can't even, they can't, that just suffocates them. Thorns are already choking. The worries and the cares of life that has kept us in a place that is far below what God has desired for us. It causes it to just be too hard to grasp it. It's too hard to grasp that. We've got to grasp that. We've got to grasp this. How do we know we're grasping it? We get glad. You get excited about it. Praise God, the same works of Jesus. And sometimes, you know, I understand. You got to say it and say it and think on it. That's why you got to meditate. You got to meditate on it, get it rooted down in it, and you got to get past all the thorns and everything else, all the cares and the worries and covetousness and all that stuff that keeps you from being able to be able to grasp what he's saying here. So let's look at it again. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Notice that, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. And actually, when you look up this word ask, it can also be translated demand. Demand. Whatever you demand in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Demand, in other words, command it as your covenant right. Your ask, your asking isn't hoping and wishing. See, see the when we ask something of God, He wants us to ask in faith. Faith doesn't ask with doubt. Faith doesn't ask wondering. 
Faith doesn't say, would you heal me? Would you get me that, God? Would you, would you do that? Would you is doubt. You're not asking with certainty. You're uncertain that he will do this for you. Well, the Bible says if anyone asks and doubts, he's not going to receive anything from God. You can't ask with doubting. You've got to ask with total confidence that it's yours. When you ask for it, it's yours. So when you're asking, it's more like a commanding or a demanding. You're commanding it. Basically what the Lord is saying, he's saying, what you ask or your wish is my command. You ask for it, it's yours. Whatever. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Your wish is my command. You ask it, I do it. Sounds like, a, like almost like a demand. You're like, you're, you're t- like a servant. You tell your servant, go do something. Now, a lot of people don't, don't like that. Oh, God, God's, God's not our servant. No, but faith is likened to our servant. Faith will serve us. Faith will serve us. You've got to remember, too, with God, uh, Jesus. Remember when Jesus came, uh, right before he went to the cross at the Last Supper, he knelt down and he washed his disciples' feet. And then he told them, he, he said, I do this as an example. I've come to serve. I've come to serve you. He came as a servant. Yeah, I'm your Lord. Yeah, I'm your God. But I've come to serve you. Think about that. The Holy Spirit, he's our helpmate. He's our helper. He works with us. He helps us. That's one of his names. Helper in the Greek language. Paraclete is the actual Greek word, and it means, for one, helper. He's our helper. He comes to help us. Just like you would have somebody help you. If you go to a a, a restaurant, you know, you need someone to help you get the food. And you share with the waitress or waiter, you know, what you want, and then they go get it for you. I mean, you expect them to go get it for you. I mean, it's on the menu. You know, if what you're asking for is on the menu, <laughs> our menu is the Word of God. If it's on the menu, if it's, if it's in God's Word, then you would expect to receive it when you put your order in. You sit down at the table, you give your order, you make your request known, you give your prayer request. Now again, a lot of times you think demand and command, you know, it, it, you picture someone rude and obnoxious. Go get me my water. You don't have to talk to the waitress like that. Go get me my water. No, it doesn't have to be harsh. Commanding and demanding doesn't have to be harsh. I think that's where some people kind of, you know, they think command, demand. They think, oh, you're being harsh. You're like, you're, like, you're pushing God around. No, that's not, that's, not what, that's not what we're talking about here. You're asking is really, when you're asking that waitress to do it, you're really demanding her to do it. And you sit back with full confidence, she's going to bring you what, you what you asked for. And so if you ask for bread and she comes out with a scorpion, that's not good, is it? You ask, you ask for something and, and it comes back something, something totally different. That's like, what are you doing? This is not what I asked for. Well, I just wanted to give you this anyway. I know best. 
You know, I was looking you over and I can see, you know, according to your weight and things and your height, you know, I felt like this is really what you needed to eat. It's not what I asked for. Yeah, but we, we, we here at the restaurant, we know what you really need more than you know. And that's what a lot of people do with God. They put the requests in, hoping it comes back, and then something else happens. It's completely the opposite of what they ask for. They go, well, this must be the will of God. He must not want me to have that. He must want me to have this. And all that really happened was they put their order in, and then when the waitress walked off, a demon came over with a tray of something else and put that on the table. And you got to say, you're not my waiter. You're not my waiter. Take your stuff and get out of here. I didn't order this. Go away from me. But a lot of people go, well, I guess it's what God wants for us. Pass me a fork. And people just start eating what the devil puts on the table. They say, well, it must be the will of God. Oh, God, it tastes so terrible. It's bitter. It's bitter. And that's how, that's how a lot of people go through life. Not, not sure. No, you got no. No, 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 I didn't order that. You get that out of here right now in the name of Jesus. I'm not, I'm not eating that. That is not accepted here. See, but that's, that's authority. It's commanding and demanding. That's how God expects us to ask concerning things. He knows he will bring things to pass for you when you speak forth what it is you desire, what it is you want in life. The things of this world were created for you and I. We were not created for the things of this world. The things of this world are not to have dominion over us. We're to have dominion over them. And without that perspective, then the things of this world will always choke out our faith. Always choke out our faith. If we see the things of this world as high and lofty and above us, things we have to have, things we, have to, we, we need, we can't live without it. And so we got to get it, we got to get it, we got to get it. It'll always dominate us. And choke out our faith. we got to see ourselves as above the things of this world. Like seated with God in the heavenly places. Have a heavenly perspective. We're not to be earthly minded. Carnally minded. We're to see ourselves above earthly things. I said we need to see ourselves above earthly things. When God created all the things of this world, he put man in charge of it. He gave man dominion over it. We see that over in Psalm, the eighth chapter. Go to Psalm chapter eight. In verse four, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you, God, visit him. Or give, my margin says, give attention to or care for him. I mean, I mean, there's so many other much bigger things in the creation, you know, all these big planets and all these things. And, uh, and what, what is man? You know, this little man down here compared to God. That you're so mindful of him and you give such attention to him and, and, and care so much for him. Really is amazing how much he cares for us. Verse 5, for you have made him a little lower. And this says the angels. But there's even a little marker here in my Bible because, see, it's not really a correct translation at all. It actually says in my margin, Elohim, which is the name for God. It's the name for God. 
It's not the name used of angels. In the, in the, in the book of Genesis, was in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word there in the Hebrew is Elohim. And so it's the same word right here, Elohim. It's used for God. So, but again, you know, the translator obviously choked. He just choked. He just couldn't handle that. He went, it made him a little lower than God. (coughs) (coughs) What can we do about that? Angels. Angels sounds good. Let's put angels. I'm telling you. Sad, but it's true. So you can just cross out the angels and just put God. Because it's Elohim. It's, it's God. So you've made him a little lower than God. Remember, Jesus became a man and he made this statement. He said, my father is greater than I. And yet they were one. The father and the son were, were one. But yet Jesus, while here on the earth, he said, the father is greater than I. See, it's the same thing with you and I. The father, our Lord Jesus... They're greater than I, but yet we've been made one with God. We've been made one with him by his spirit. It says, you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion. That's absolute rule and authority over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Notice that. God has made you to have dominion over the works of his hands. All things that he created, you are to rule over. They're not to rule over you. You are greater than the creation. You're you're greater than the works of God's hands. You have dominion, absolute rule and authority over it. So we dominate these things. We don't covet these things and crave these things as people that are ruled by these things. These things don't rule us. We rule them. This is key to getting the thorns out. To get the things out of our heart, out of our life, out of our way that would choke out the word of God. So that, I mean, in a lot of cases, people, like we saw here a little earlier, people can't even, they can't even receive it. And they're already choking on it. They can't, they can't even receive God's word. And then some folks that have received it, they, they, they can't hang on to it very long before it gets choked out of their life. Because the things of this world are so much bigger to them than what God has said about them. The things of this world are so much bigger. We got to get that perspective changed. Right? I mean, in, in the world, you know, they talk about uh, nature as being our mother, you know? I remember there was a margarine commercial growing up and, and there was a, you know, they were talking about margarine and how natural it is and everything and, and uh, it really isn't, is it? But, uh, and then there was this woman that came, came out and said, don't mess with mother nature. I do remember that. Yeah. And there was a lightning flash, you know. Mother nature, mother nature is talking about earth, the earth, see, nature, the earth, these things, the things of this world is our mother, so God is our father, yes, but earth is our mother. But that's not the Bible. I said, that's not the Bible. Earth is not our mother, according to the scriptures. Earth is to be our servant. That's what earth is. 
Everything in this earth was created to serve us. We weren't created to look up to nature and look up to the creation as if it's greater than us. No, no, no. We've got a heavenly perspective. We're looking down upon the earth. We got our mind on heavenly things. We got a heavenly perspective. And so we're looking down on the things of the earth. We're not looking up to the things of this world. And this is our great mother. There's God, our father, and then there's mother nature. No, 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 no. We're far above. I said we're far above. We're seated in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. That's where we are. We're seated with him. Far above. Far above things of this world. So we control the things of this world. The things of this world don't control us. See, we got to stop making such a big deal out of the things of the earth. The bigger they are to you, the more they're going to choke you. They're going to choke out your faith. Because they're such a big deal to you. Such a big deal to you. And so you worry about these things. Or you crave these things. You covet these things. And it keeps you from being the ruler that God has created you to be. Got to change our perspective. Get far above these things. And that's how we get all the thorns out. That's how we get the thorns out. You know, Jesus said over in Mark 11, he said, you will say to, if you have faith in God, he said, you will say to this mountain. How many of you know a mountain is a created thing? You will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things you say will come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. Notice that. He said, you will say to the mountain, you're going to talk to the creation. You're going to tell it, now mountain, I don't like you over here. I'm relocating you. You're in my way. Get in the sea over there. In other words, you're moving the mountains around. You're moving the things around through your faith rather than the things of this world moving you around, pushing you around and choking out your faith. Back in the Old Testament, God spoke to Moses. Now, the first time uh, they, they were in the wilderness and they had no water, God said to take his rod, take, told Moses, take your rod, strike the rock and water will come out. And then, and it did. And then later on, years later, they come across the same situation. They needed water. And God said, now don't strike the rock this time. He said, just speak to it. Just tell it what you want. Tell it what you want and it'll give it to you. And so Moses was to speak to the rock. And if he had, water would have come flowing out. Unfortunately, Moses couldn't do it. It was, it was too much for him. To speak to it. And he ended up striking the rock with his rod again. We got to learn to speak to our mountains. Speak to the rocks. And then later on, the children of Israel, they come into Jericho. And there's this big walled city that they're facing. And that wall is made up of rocks. Stones. Isn't that right? And they knew what they needed. They just needed to shout. They just needed to open their mouth and speak. And what happened? The walls came down and they walked in and took the land. We need to speak to things. Jesus, there were people that sometimes they had conditions like for one, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, she had a fever. And the Bible says, and Jesus rebuked the fever. Notice that. He rebuked, he, he didn't sit there and pray to the Father, but Father, Father, I just thank you that you remove this fever. No, 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 no. He didn't talk to the father about the fever. He spoke to the fever. He rebuked it. 
and took her by the hand and lifted her up. See, we need to get a hold of this, that things listen to us. Creation listens to us. It listens to us. The whole creation's waiting on instructions from us. But so many human beings are running around looking to the creation, looking to the creation for answers, looking to money for answers, looking to things, material things for their answers in life rather than recognizing, no, we are the answer in life. We're the answer. And creation is looking for us. Romans, the eighth chapter. Let's go there. Romans 8. Bible says in verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Notice that the creation is waiting for something or waiting on someone. Come on, get a hold of this this morning. The creation is waiting on some things this morning. It's waiting for what? For the revealing of the sons of God. Well, who are the sons of God? Well, that's us. I said, that's us. Now, of course, when a person is first born again, they're considered to be a newborn baby spiritually. The Bible says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So you're a baby. And then there's also a childhood stage of spiritual development. Uh, The Bible says, I believe it's over in the book of Ephesians, it says that we're to be no longer children, spiritual children, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. But then you come over here to Romans, it says those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So there's the babyhood stage of spiritual development. There's the childhood stage of spiritual development. And then there's a place where you come into sons. Sons of God. Sons of God. And so the creation's looking for what? It's looking for the sons of God to be revealed. It's waiting for the son. Who are those? those are those that are mature in faith. Those that are strong in faith. Those that understand who they are in Christ Jesus. They're not tossed to and fro. They're not little babies anymore. But they're standing in their faith, walking like the Son of God. (coughs) Hang in there. Walking like the Son of God. Amen. Doing the works of Jesus. Doing the works of... Now, you say the works of Jesus. A lot of times, the first thing people think of is, you know, raising somebody from the dead. Let's not start there. How about, how about, how about this? Because that'll, that, that'll, that'll choke you. Let's, let's not start with raising the dead for the works of Jesus. Why don't we just start with walking in love? How about just doing the will of our Father? How about just being led by the Spirit of God? Yeah, see, that's doing the works of Jesus. That's walking like Jesus walked when he was here on the earth. So we're to walk like Jesus walked. We're to do the works of Jesus. We're to be sons. He's the, he's the son of God. We're to be sons of God. And guess what? Things are waiting for you. Things are waiting for you to take your place as a son of God. And women, don't let that throw you of sons. You know, you say, so I'm, I'm a, it's, uh, you know, don't think female and male. 
You know, just, I, I don't think female and male when he calls us his bride. Right? He says the church is the bride of Christ. I don't get bent out of shape about that. I understand it's, it's spiritual. It's for all of us. Sons of God. Sons and daughters of God. But rising to that place of spiritual maturity. Where things aren't controlling us. We're controlling things. We're speaking to the things. And we got to get good at speaking to things. I said we got to get good at speaking to things. Because again, like we said last time. Thorns are the result of seeds that are sown. Thorns of worry. Thorns of deceit. Deceitfulness. Thorns of cares. Thorns of desire or lustful desire all start with seeds that are sown in people's hearts. And the seeds here are words. Words. They're illustrating words. Words that have been spoken. So to clear out our heart of all the thorns, we need to start commanding things rather than coveting things. If we're commanding things, then we're not going to be coveting things. See? And that's how we need to see this. We need to see this as commanding these things. We're not coveting them. We're not, we're not concerned about going without these things because we know by faith that whatever we ask, we got it. We have what we say. Say it. Say, I have what I say. So I'm not worried about having things. Because I have what I say. Yeah, so see, there's, no, there's no more cares. There's no more worries. Because I have what I say. It's all coming to pass. Glory be to God. I say God's word. I speak his promises. And it's all coming to pass in my life. Do you believe that? Glory be to God. You got to stay on it. You got to speak these things and continue to believe. And when things come up and say, no, you're going without. Look, it's not happening. You say, no, no, no. I have exactly what I said. I'll have exactly what I said. And I don't know why. It's, you know, sometimes some things take longer materializing, manifesting, showing up than other things. And so well, why is it? I don't know. You know, we don't know. There could, be a, there could be a bunch of reasons. There are some examples in the Word of God, you know, that show, some things illustrated in the Word of God showing us that, you know, there are, sometimes there's hindrances in the Spirit. Sometimes it's just, it's where our faith is at. You know, we've got to come back to how fast do I respond to God's Word? How fast do I respond to God's Word? Because that can determine how fast God's Word responds to me. How fast does it, does it come to pass for me? How quick am I to obey God? That could, that could affect how quick what we want will come to us. Not that God holds it back, but you see, it's our faith. It's our faith. Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. So if we got slow faith, if we're slow to believe, if we're slow to step out and do what he told us to do, he tells us to do something and we delay and we delay and we delay and we delay. Then when we come over here and we ask for something with the same faith that we use to obey God with, we come over here and we use our faith to ask for something, is it slow in getting to us because we're slow at receiving? See, slow at doing, slow at receiving. You know, there's... There's folks that, uh, you know, they're, they're not real quick 
when it comes to the things of God. They're not real quick when it comes to things of God. But then when they want something from God or they want something from God's house, God's people, they want it now. They want it now. Why isn't it happening now? Why isn't that pastor over here now? Why isn't he on the phone? Why isn't he doing what I asked him to do now? Why isn't God bringing this to pass now? Where have you been the last few weeks? Right? What have you been doing? How fast have you been to do what God's telling you to do? See? But a lot of times, you know, people are wanting fast results, but they're not, they're not fast at giving God results, giving him what he's asking for. So that's a good way to check on ourselves, you know, to help speed things up. Giving and receiving. Doing, obeying, and receiving from God. Can you say amen? So when it comes to riches and things like that, we're not out trying to get it. No, we're out doing the will of God. And these things are just add-ons, right? Is that what he said? Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first. First. Fast. Seek fast. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you fast. Oh, I like that. Seek fast the kingdom of God and all these other things, things, they'll be added unto you. You don't have to pursue them and seek them. They'll be added unto you fast. And then over in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Notice, you're not to be out making yourself rich. You're not to be out making yourself rich. It's another scripture here in Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, verse 4. It says, do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease, knock it off. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle towards heaven. Well, then you need to be moving towards heaven. Because these things fly away towards heaven. So we need to be going after heaven. Not going after riches. Not going after the things of this world. See? He says, stop trying to work to be made rich. No, don't say work and overwork to try to make it all happen. He says, if you do it that way, ultimately it's all going to fly away from you. It's all going to escape you in the end. But rather, what do you do? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the Lord. And what happens? The blessing comes upon your life and the blessing makes you Rich. The blessing does it. Somebody say the blessing does it. The blessing's doing it for me. Praise God, we're not worried about this stuff because we're not chasing the stuff. The stuff's coming after. See, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's a heart with no thorns. It's a heart with no weeds. It's a heart with no weeds. Praise God. We're not pursuing these things, chasing after these things. We're chasing after God. Hallelujah. And all these other things that we have needed in life, He's taking care of for us. Can you say amen? Praise God. We bless you, Father. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. 
While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.